All right. Welcome, friends, and thank you for joining us this evening. I'm greatly honored to be joined by my co-host and good friend and researcher and author of all things truthful and esoteric, Rob Skiba. Rob, are you there, brother? I am here, Zen. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Just, uh, of course, busy with all that we do and um, excited as a family. Eliana made an entrance into this world, and my children are um, joyful parents and excited about the prospects of new journey. Yeah, so congratulations. Wanna, yeah, thank you, really. And we thank all of you that have also sent forward and um, you know shared uh, the different accolades and kindness. We uh, love all of you and. You know, we'll continue to do the work of the kingdom. We just are growing steadily and looking forward to that which the future uh, will hold. So, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, moving forward with the, the things that we are uh, covering in uh, the different parallel accounts and research. There's so much awesome information. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring forth as far as an update or uh, anything else going on with what you've got happening with Seed and the progression of it? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, not a whole lot to, that I can publicly report yet, but uh, as you know, you were on the call Wednesday. We had a yeah. interesting brainstorm session that I think went mm -hmm. very well. I hope you got a chance to listen to the, to the rest of it afterwards, but... Um, you know, things are moving forward in that regard to hopefully really launch a lot of, not just my project, but a lot of projects if we're able to, uh, right. in fact, do that. But, uh, and other than that, I don't have a whole lot of new stuff going on. It's just, I'm, I've been tired. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, I hear you, brother. I think it's all just yeah. kind of caught up to me lately. It's like, I, I woke up, uh, well, I go to bed, you know pretty late normally three four o'clock in the morning right. most times so i typically wake up 11 or 12 and i woke up at 11 and uh went to the bathroom and was like yeah i'm going back to sleep so i just <laughs> went back to sleep i woke up at like two uh kicked around the house didn't do much today and then took a nap again and like from six to seven thirty <laughs> so i don't know what the deal is right but on. i'm just like maybe it's all just caught up to me i'm finally yeah catching up relaxing yeah i kind of feel feel that way and um, you know, a little bit under the weather here, some of the girls also feeling the the strain, uh, stress, anxiety of uh, I don't know something definitely hitting them and weighing on them, hmm. and uh, the kids as well. Uh, Joy was able to go through, you know, five hours of intense labor, and wow. But fortunately, it was all um, stayed at home, and they were able to. Oh, so get through it without having, yeah, without having uh, be forced to go to the hospital and uh, deal with any doctors or nurses. And so, wow, uh, they were excited for all of that. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be a grandpa? So exciting, brother! <laughs> it's the most incredible thing. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thoroughly excited and joyfully overwhelmed, and you know, looking forward to. Um, doing whatever I can uh, in helping and assisting and watching her grow and helping with all of that. And um, 
I know they are as well. So yeah, it's going to be exciting times. Yeah, it was weird, you know, when I went to see my, my family in Florida there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, um, uh, my sister, uh, of course, she had a, a child back in 94, uh, I think, and then uh, my niece Alexa just had her first baby. And so I'm looking at my sister, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, like grandpa, great-grandpa, all this, you know, kind of stuff these days. I'm thinking, man you know my my parents and you know just because uh, I'm still 18 in my head you know what I mean so right, right. it's like how are all these people having grandchildren <laughs> I'm like wait a minute you dude you're 51 years old yourself you know right. it's like wow generations man. yeah seeing generations, generations manifesting of course these days man it's so scary to think about what the future generations are going to have to deal with unfortunately yeah unfortunately and if people uh, don't have a good grasp on what they are truly contending with, you know, as far as the the vaccine situation and uh, all of these uh, checkups and um, health and wellness checks and all that that they're trying to push upon the parents and kids. I know. Uh, that come in for, you know, the boosters here and boosters there, but... Uh, I'm just so grateful, at least, that my children are aware um, and are knowledgeable on all of that and that they are making their own decisions. And yeah. I'm so, yeah, so grateful for that. Are, are the What are the regulations, you know, in your state as far as that goes? Are they pretty strict on all the immunization stuff they want babies to have these days? Well, of course, they want you to be... Uh, up on all your boosters and they try to force parents into uh, buying into the whole immunization records and all that in order to be able to go to school or to receive daycare um, but they don't tell you that there are exemptions you know, uh. religious and political medical exemptions um, and that if you know your rights that you can um, you can opt out on things and not have people really hassle you about it. And so I think that once my children, um, it, it'll be educating um, the health practitioners that you know, they're going to come across. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to avoid all of that and uh, they're not going to be forced into doing anything and they plan on homeschooling Eliana Good for them. Uh, as well and so um, there's nothing that will be forced upon them in in a mandate oh, you there can you yeah uh, you can, yeah can you hear me? yeah you cut out you said mandate and then you disappeared oh no um, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you good now. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, mandate, uh, buzzword, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a. Um, I'm glad to hear they're going to be homeschooling because, man. Yeah. Uh, I you know I did um, Flattoberfest, uh, there a few years ago, and um, in that presentation I was talking about the Rockefeller Foundation and 
just how mm-hmm. education, the public education system specific, was specifically created to dumb us down. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, right. And indoctrinate uh-huh. us and everything else, of course. Yes. Brainwashes. There's a video, but there's a, a YouTube channel called Academy of Ideas. And it's a really good video they put us about 10 minutes long. It's called Why Public Schools and the Mainstream Media Dumb Us Down. Really, really good video on yeah. that. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking at where we left off, and uh, we left off in Genesis 38 in the King James. I read that. So it uh, looks like we start off with uh, the Targum version, and I guess you've got some other stuff to talk about with the rod of wonder and all kinds of stuff related to what Jacob and uh, Tamar oh yes Mm -hmm. yeah I will pull that up after I do the Targum Um, yeah so 38 I'll read that in the Targum and then I'll pull up the the specific information about uh, because I'll definitely want to read some of that but yeah all right um, Targum chapter 38. Oh, let me see It was at that time that Yehuda had gone down from his property and separated himself from his brethren and had inclined to a man, an Abdulamite, whose name was Hydra, that Yehuda saw there the daughter of a merchant man whose name was Shuva, and he proselytized her and entered with her. And she conceived and bare a son and called his name Ur, because he was to die without a child. And she conceived again and bare a son and called his name Onan, because his father would have to mourn for him. And she added, and bare a son, and called his name Shelah, because her husband had forgotten her, and was in cessation when she bare him Jerusalem. And it was that she ceased. And Yehuda took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, a daughter of Shem, the great, whose name was Tamar. But Ur, the firstborn of Yehuda, was evil before the Lord, because he had not given his seed unto his wife. And the anger of the Lord prevailed against him. And the Lord slew him. And Yehuda said unto Onan, Enter thou to thy brother's wife, and marry her and that they would not call the children after his name. And it was when he entered to the wife of his brother that he corrupted his work upon the earth that he might not raise up. Children to his brother's name. And what he did was evil before the Lord, and he cut off his days also. And Yehuda said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow in thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown up. For he said, lest he also die. 
as his brethren. Tamar went and remained in her father's house, and days multiplied, and the daughter of Shuba, Yehuda's wife, had died, and Yehuda was comforted. And Yehuda went up to the shearing of his flock, he and Hira, his friend, the Adulamite, to Timnath, and it was told to Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law cometh up to Timnath to shear his flock. And she put the dress of her widowhood from her and covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in the dividing of the road where all eyes see upon the way of Timnath. For she knew that Shelah was grown up, yet she had not been given to him to be his wife. And Yehuda saw her, but she seemed in his face as an arlet, because she had provoked him to anger in his house. And Yehuda did not love her, Jerusalem, for she had enwrapped her face, and he inclined to her in the way and said, Let me now go in with thee, for he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me to go in with me? And he said, I will send thee a kid of the goats from the flocks. And she said, If thou wilt give me a pledge until thou shalt have sent. And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she answered, Thy seal, thy mantle, and thy staff, which is in thy hand. And he gave them to her, and went in with her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went, and put her veil from her, and put on the dress of her widowhood. And Yehuda sent the kid of the goats by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to bring back the pledge from the hand of the woman but he found her not and asked the men of the place saying where is the harlot who was in the sight of the eyes by the way and they said there is no harlot here and he returned to Yehuda and said I could not find her and the men of the place also said that no harlot was there and Yehuda said lest she should have taken the pledge lest we become a laughing stock Behold, I have sent this goat, and thou canst not find her. And it was at the time of the three months that she was known to be with child. And it was told to Yehuda, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath committed fornication. And behold, she is with child by fornication. And Yehuda said, Is she not the daughter of a priest? Let her be brought forth and burned. Tamar was brought forth to be burned, and she searched for the three pledges, but found them not. Uplifting her eyes to the heavens above, she thus said, Mercy, I implore from thee, O Lord. Answer thou me in this hour of need, and enlighten mine eyes to find the three witnesses, and I will dedicate unto thee from my loins three saints who shall sanctify thy name and descend to the furnace of fire in the plain of Dura in that hour the Holy One blessed be he 
signed to Michael, who enlightened her eyes, that she found the witnesses and took and cast them before the feet of the judges and said, The man to whom these pledges belong is he by whom I am with child. Yet though I may be burned, I do not make him manifest. Nevertheless, the Lord of the world will cause him in his heart to acknowledge them and will deliver me from the great judgment. Now, when Yehuda saw them, he recognized them and said in his heart, it is better for me to be ashamed in this world than to pass it away than to be ashamed in the faces of my righteous fathers in the world to come. It is better that I burn in this world by a fire that is extinguished than burn in the world to come with fire devouring fire. For measure is set against measure. This is according to that which I said to Jacob, my father, know now the robe of thy son. So am I now constrained to hear at the place of judgment? Whose are this seal and mantle and staff? And Yehuda acknowledged and said, Tamar is innocent. She is with child by me. And the bathkel fell from heaven and said, From before me was the thing done, and let both be delivered from judgment. And Yehuda said, Because I gave her not to Shelah, my son, hath this happened to me, because he added to not to know her again, Jerusalem. Her veil, Tamar, was brought forth to be burned with fire, and she sought the three witnesses, but found them not. She lifted up her eyes on high and said, For mercy I pray before the Lord. Thou art he, O Lord God, who answereth the afflicted in the hour of their affliction. Answer me in this hour of my affliction, and I will dedicate to thee three saints in the valley of Dura, Hanava, Mishael, and Azariah. In that hour the word of the Lord heard the voice of her supplication and said to Michael, Descend and let her eyes have light. When she saw them, she took them and cast them before the feet of the judges, saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. But though I may be burned, I declare him not, but confine in the ruler of all the world the Lord who is witness between me and him, that he will give to the heart of the man to whom these belong, to acknowledge whose are these, his ring, his mantle, and staff. And Yehuda recognized the three witnesses, and arose upon his feet, and said, I pray you, my brethren, and ye men of the house of my fathers, to hear me, with the measure that a man measures, shall it be measured to him, whether good measure or evil. And blessed is every man who confesses the works, because I took the coat of Joseph, my brother, and dipped it into the blood of a goat, and brought it before the feet of my father, and said to him, Know now whether this be my son's coat or not. 
The measure is according to the measure, and the rule to the rule. Better it is for me blush in this world than to blush in the world to come. Better to burn with a fire that goes out than to burn in the fire devouring fire. Let Tamar, my daughter-in-law, be spared. She hath not conceived a child by fornication, but because I did not give to her Shayla, my son. The bath coal came forth from heaven and said, Both of you are acquitted in the judgment, and the thing was from the Lord, and he added not to know her. But it was in the time of her giving birth that, behold, twins were in her womb, and it was in being born that the child stretched forth his hand, and the midwife took it and bound it with a scarlet thread, saying, This came the first, and after the child had withdrawn his hand, behold, his brother came forth. And she said, With what great power hast thou prevailed? And for thee will it be to prevail, for thou wilt possess the kingdom. And she called his name Ferez. And afterward came forth his brother, upon whose hand was bound the scarlet thread. And she called his name Sadrach. <clears throat> A lot of interesting stuff there. Um, while you were reading, I looked up the bath coal thing. Uh, I was like, what, what is bath coal? Um, and on Bible Gateway, it says, The bath coal, uh, daughter of a voice, sound call. The term denotes an audible divine voice apart from any visible divine manifestation. So essentially, it's so just a disembodied voice from heaven. It appears to be that's what the bath coal is. It's distinguished from such phenomena as God speaking to Moses where there was a divine manifestation in the earthquake and from God speaking to the prophets, which was usually apart from an audible voice by the Holy Spirit resting upon them. It was noted for its remarkable quality of tone and sometimes likened to whispering or chirping. It proclaimed God's will or judgment to individual groups, rulers, localities, and whole nations. Um, examples of the bath coal uh, can be found in Daniel 4.31, A voice fell from heaven. And uh looks like they got a bunch of other footnotes there, but mostly it seems to show up in um in the Targums, I guess. But uh, although it does reference the same thing uh as being uh, at Jesus' baptism from heaven was heard a voice, Matthew three seventeen, Mark okay. one eleven, Luke three twenty two, uh Jesus transfiguration, uh, when um I guess when Moses and Elijah were there with him. Um, right. Matthew seventeen five, Mark nine seven, Luke nine thirty five. Just before Christ entered into his passion, a voice was heard from heaven saying, "I have glorified thy name, and will glorify it again." John twelve twenty eight. When Paul was stricken on the road to Damascus, he heard a voice from heaven. Acts nine four twenty two seven, chapter nine twenty chapter twenty six fourteen. Peter's vision at Joppa when the unclean animals. Uh, rise, Peter, kill, and eat, Acts 10, 13, Acts 15, and there's other non-biblical references as well. So uh, I guess bath coal is just simply a, whenever they heard a voice from heaven. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was whenever they there was confirmation as to something incredible uh, happening. And with regard to the 
the particular story, um, I'll, I'll have to pull up the manuscript when we go up over the break, but um, what had happened is, you know, because Tamar was um, the daughter of Shem, and she was a prophetess, the and being found with child, um, they were going to burn her, and that would be the proper judgment. And she knew that that Judah was the father, but she was not going to convict him in front of his fathers. But he was going to allow; she was going to allow the pledges that she brought forth, which were the staff, the mantle, and the ring, um, to be witness, and then he could decide for himself. And so that is when, you know, he did um, bring forth and say that he was responsible for having lain with her and that it was not her fault. Um, and that also, when you look in the fullness of the story, it was the Holy Spirit that had instructed her to go lay by the wayside and dim not and to um, receive seed from him and that this would also preserve through Judah um, the line and the kingship of Messiah uh, going forth um, through Pharaoh and Sarah. And so, and which she had also received prophecy before um, that this would occur. All right, we'll be right back, everyone. From the dawn of man, we have turned to nature to help attain balance within ourselves. But somewhere, we lost our way. Western culture is once again remembering the healing benefits of CBD, the non-psychoactive component of the hemp plant. That's why more and more people who use CBD report relief from inflammation and chronic pain, balanced blood sugar and cardiovascular system, relief from muscle tensions, tremors, migraines, headaches, anxiety, depression, and the list goes on. The big question is, where do you get it? Iolife is a 99% pure CBD oil made with all organic ingredients, and it's available to TFR listeners worldwide. If you use coupon code TFR at checkout, you'll get $5 towards your order. Head on over to iolife.com now. That's A-Y-A, life.com. Do you want to lose weight but have no idea where to begin? The Fast Start Diet, a three-day weight loss plan, is the answer. Three days of nutritionally balanced, calorie-restricted meals delivered right to your door. No shopping, no measuring, and no cooking. Everything is prepared for you and ready to eat at home or on the go. The Fast Start Diet has all the amazing benefits of intermittent fasting without starving. We've helped thousands of people who have struggled to reach their weight loss goals. Isn't it time we helped you? With the Fast Start Diet, you'll lose weight and feel great. Find us on Amazon or go to FastStartDiet.com and use promo code POWER. 
to get $10 off your first box. As a special bonus, we will include our number one rated Lipo 3 Appetite Suppressant Spray free with your order. Whatever your diet plans are, start with us at FastStartDiet.com and use promo code POWER. True initiation is an inward journey. It's a spiritual path that is totally inward. It has nothing to do with anything external to you. I want to determine if the grand architect is indeed what I believe it to be, which is the artificial intelligence. The initiatory path is one of self-discovery and self-revealing. It's not a journey that someone can hold your hand through. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you through the steps of initiation. Remember, you are divinity. Step Beyond the Veil with Chris and Sherry Geo. Fridays and Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. R-T-F-R. My faith in destiny is all I need to prevail. Truth Frequency Radio. And in those days, there were giants in the land. And the sons of the angels of God looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair. And took of them wives, and their sons became of old great men of renown. So they have been mixing with us on a genetic level since the time of Enoch and Ezekiel's will. Heaven earth were retrieved by the sun, moon, and stars in a mansion that's got to be planets like ours. So conceive of a face on the surface of Mars. So in need of a meaning and purpose, we lost. And indeed, they believe that these might be our gods, or that maybe with time we'll do right and evolve and eventually reach what they seek and then solve all the problems of man. But they really don't know that they fall. And the works of our hands are but just filthy rags So we travel the lands to dig up our past Time our lapses and with it all much of the facts I'm imagining God's meaning All right, welcome back, everybody um, I did pull up the chapter that I had written about this um, To just bring forth a little bit more information because um, the rod of wonder and the vestures of power uh, are also initiation items which were passed down through the patriarchs and were very important in what is the Melchizedek priesthood, the church of the firstborn, the order of the ancients which are concepts that are spoken about in a lot of material but which are not well known about uh, even though they are alluded to in a lot of different um, individual accounts and we did put together a book called the book of on the order of the ancients which has the order of the ancients written by Elijah the Thespit uh, together with the writings of Abraham um, and a manuscript called the Kitab al-Magali which is a, a, a manuscript of Adam and his initiation into 
the Melchizedek priesthood before his fall from paradise and that he had been initiated into the church of Eden and instructed and taught there the the rites of the priesthood and the priestly uh, initiation and how to conduct um, and also to pass on those initiation to future generations and we see this also uh, spoken about in great detail in the writings of Abraham um, that Abraham was also instructed by Shem who was the Melchizedek according to his time uh, that that was a title that he held um, and that his father had raised him in this knowledge and that Abraham was also passed on uh, this information as was his children uh, all throughout um, you know, the time that um, that Shem was alive before passing on and that these particular items the rod of wonder the staff of God which we see uh, incorporated into the the miracles of Sinai and also the liberation of the Israelites from Egypt and from Pharaoh um, that the, it was here taken back from Judah who because he had willingly given them to Tamar and as a you know a payment um, for what he thought were the services of a harlot and so his father in seeing and being witness to what occurred with his confessing that he dipped the kid uh, the the kid's goat uh, his brother's coat of many colors which is the um, the garments of power in my opinion um, and that he did so in order to tried to deceive his father into believing that you know that um, uh, that Joseph had died by being consumed um, by wild animals With and so in my opinion this is also connected to Revelation 1913 where we see that Yeshua at the end of days uh, that he also is returns um, for the end times and that he is wielding wearing this vesture dipped in blood and wielding this rod of iron that these items um, find full circle and return with him at the end of days uh, for the harvest um, and that just as they were given to Adam and in which I cover in great detail in this book the vestures of light and the the rod of wonder um, this <laughs> this story on Tamar is just one of the many chapters this book is like 300 plus pages and shares many fascinating quotes um, about the passing on uh, of these items how they were taken um, you know Esau took them back from from Nimrod and and then here where uh, 
Judah has them removed from him, and that afterwards um, Jacob gives them to Joseph. And then when Joseph um, passes on, and the Israel, I mean the Egyptians, raid all of his uh, his household and take everything and just uh, put it into the royal court and into their uh, reservoirs. Um, these items were found and left and held in the royal treasury. And it wasn't until Ruel leaving because of the, um, the opinion that Janus and Jambres had given to Pharaoh that he should bathe in the blood of Hebrew children in order to receive um, healing from his boils. And when they, you know, when this this um, remedy was given off, Ruel decided to leave and not be uh, connected to um, that treatment. And in heading eastward, he took with him the rod of wonder as well as the garments of power. And we see that in the book of the Asseter and also in the Perkti Rabbi, Eleazar that Moshe receives them when he goes eastward 40 years later following um, Ruel who's you know most everybody knows him as Jethro um, but that he was the father-in-law of Moshe and that she Moshe married Zipporah and that was his eldest daughter and it's intriguing that um, that um, Moshe met Zipporah at the same well that Jacob may, uh, met uh, Rebecca and also that Isaac, um, sometimes I get that all confused, um, but that Isaac had met Rebecca um, and also that Jacob met Rachel and Moshe met Zipporah and was married uh, to her and that he received these items um, and that one of the one of the the items that he uh, was given by the most high was the staff of god the the rod of wonder and that it was um, fastened into the ground in jethro's backyard and moshe was able to remove it and that um, it would turn into a basilisk at his command, that God had showed him um, how to utilize it to take on the shape um, of a shapeshifter, a serpent, um, and that this was one of the supernatural signs that he would be able to utilize in order to um, convince Pharaoh uh, to release his people from bondage. And we also know that it was this rod that um, that split the, the Reed Sea um, and that provided uh, safe course passage uh, across to the other side and that Pharaoh's army was drowned um, in, um, in traveling after and trying to catch up with Moshe and his, and his people. Um, so that's just part of, you know, the, some of the stories that are part of this whole tale of the 
the rod of wonder, but it goes back again to this particular account um, and it being given first to Judah, um, and but because you know he had passed it on uh, as a harlot's payment, um, it was taken back um, by his father and then given to Joseph, and Joseph was initiated. And it was under Joseph that both of these items were reunited, and that uh, Moshe also, um, he, it was both of, both of these items were given to him as well, and that um, they were used in his uh, story um, uh, as far as, you know, breaking free the Israelites and helping to liberate um, and there's so much information about that as well in the the Rod of Wonder book, but um, I can read here. Um, when the sons of Jacob saw how inconsolable their father was, they went to Judah and said to him, this great misfortune is thy fault. Judah replied, It was I that asked you, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? And now you say the sin lies at my door? The brethren continued to argue, But it was not thou that didst this. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And we followed the advice. Hadst thou said, Let us restore him to his father? We had heeded these words of thine as well. The brethren thereupon deprived Judah of his dignity for hitherto he had been their king and they also excluded him from their fellowship and he had to seek his fortune alone through the mediation of his chief shepherd Hira he became acquainted with the Canaanitish king of Adullam Basran by name and though he was well aware of the corruption of the generations of Canaan he permitted passion to get the better of him and took a Canaanite for wife. And so when he took a Canaanite for wife, and what a lot of people don't know is that this woman hated Tamar and did not want her children mm. to marry um, the, a Shemite. And that was another reason why she instructed her children to not uh, uh, spill, uh, not to put seed into her yeah but to spill it on the side and because of that that was um, you know the curse that took the the lives of, so, of the the two eldest sons so is the Canaanite and, their mother uh, Jake, Jacob's wife the Canaanite it was saying basically the antithesis of what Yahuwah was always telling Abraham's children don't don't marry a Canaanite don't have children by the Canaanite, they appeared to have the same attitude. Don't get with a Hebrew. Don't have children with a Hebrew. Is that the right. the general idea there? And, yes. And that's the reason why the, the sons of Jacob did what they did. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, because their mother had instructed them, and that she was going to find and give them um, daughters. You know, uh, to to marry from the Canaanitish women. Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll read just a little bit more. 
And you're reading from here. your from your book, The Rod of Wonder? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Even Esau came in time to acknowledge that the daughters of Canaan were wicked and the lion, Judah, must needs to take one of them to wife. The Holy Spirit cried out against Judah when he married the Canaanite woman of Adullam, saying, The glory of Israel went down in Abdullam. The firstborn son of Judah from his marriage was named Ur, the childless, a suitable name for him that died without beginning any issue. At Judah's desire, Er married Tamar, a daughter of Aram, the son of Shem. But because she was not a Canaanitish woman, his mother used artifices against her, and he did not know her. And an angel of the Lord killed him on the third day after his wedding. Then Judah gave Tamar to his second son, Onan, the marriage taking place before the week of the wedding festivities. For Er had elapsed a whole year, Onan lived with Tamar without knowing her. And when finally Judah uttered threats against him on the account, he did indeed have intercourse with her. But giving heed to the injunctions of his mother, he took care not to beget any children with her. He too died on account of his iniquity, and his name, Onan, mourning, was well chosen for very soon, was his father called upon to mourn for him. And now Judah conceived the plan of marrying Tamar to his youngest son, Shelah, but his wife would not permit it. She hated Tamar because she was not of the daughters of Canaan, like herself. And while Judah was away from home, Bathsheba chose a wife for her son Shelah from the daughters of Canaan. And Judah was very angry at Bathsheba for what she had done. And also God poured out his wrath upon her, for on account of her wickedness she had to die, and her death happened a year after that of her two sons. Now that Bathsheba was dead, Judah might have carried out his wish and married Tamar to his youngest son, but he waited for Shelah to grow up, because he feared for his life, seeing that Tamar had brought death to two husbands before him. So she remained a widow in her father's house for two years. Endowed with the gift of prophecy, Tamar knew that she was appointed to be the ancestress of David and the Messiah, and she determined to venture upon an extreme measure in order to make sure of fulfilling her destiny. Accordingly, when the Holy Spirit revealed to her that Judah was going up to Timnah she put off from her the garments of her widowhood and sat in the gate of Abraham's tent. And there she encountered Judah all the time she lived in the house of her father-in-law. He had never seen her face, for in her virtue and chastity she had always kept it covered. And now when Judah met her, he did not recognize her. It was as a reward for her modesty that God made her to become the mother of the royal line of David and the ancestress of Isaiah and his father Amos, as well as both of whom were prophets and of royal blood. Judah passed Tamar by without paying any attention to her, and she raised her eyes heavenward and said, O Lord of the world, shall I go forth empty from the house 
of this pious man? Then God sent the angel that is appointed over the passion of love, and he compelled Judah to turn back, and with prophetic caution, Tamar demanded that as a pledge for the reward, reward he promised her, he leave with her his signet, his mantle, and his staff, the symbols of royalty, judgeship, and messiahship, the three distinctions of the descendants of Tamar from her union with Judah. When Judah sent her the promised reward, a kid of the goats by the hand of his friend, in order to receive the pledges from her hand, Tamar could not be found, and he feared to make further search for her, lest he put to shame. But Tamar, who soon discerned that she was with child, felt very happy and proud, for she knew that she would be the mother of kings and redeemers. And when her state became known, she was forcibly dragged before the court in which Isaac, Jacob, and Judah sat as judges. Judah, being the youngest of the judges and the least considerable in dignity, was the first to give a decision. For thus it is prescribed in criminal cases that the prominent judges over all, not the lesser, and influenced their decisions unduly. It was the opinion of Judah that the woman was liable to the penalty of death by burning, for she was the daughter of the high priest Shem, and death by fire is the punishment ordained by the law for a high priest daughter that leads an unchaste life. The preparations for her execution were begun. In vain, Tamar searched for the three pledges she had received from Judah. She could not find them, and almost she lost hope, for she would be able to wring a confession from her father-in-law. She raised her eyes to God and prayed, I supplicate thy grace, O God, thou who givest ear to the cry of the distress in the hour of his need. Answer me that I may be spared to bring forth the three holy children who will be ready to suffer death by fire for the sake of the glory of thy name. And God granted her petition and sent the angel Michael down to secure her. He put the pledges in a place in which Tamar could not fail to see them. And she took them, threw them before the feet of the judges with the words, By the man whose these are, am I with child. But thou, I perish in the flames. I will not betray him. I hope in the Lord of the world that he will turn the heart of the man so that he will make confession thereof. Then Judah rose up and said, With your permission, my brethren and ye men of my father's house, I will make it known that with what measure a man meets, it shall be measured unto him be it for good or for evil. But happy the man that acknowledges his sins, because I took the coat of Joseph and colored it with the blood of a kid and then laid it at the feet of my father, saying, Know not whether it be thy son's coat or not. Before, Therefore must I now confess before the court unto whom belongeth this signet, the mantle and the staff. But it is better that I be put to shame in this world, then I should be put to shame in the other world before the face of my pious father. It is better that I should perish in a fire that can be extinguished 
then I should be cast into hellfire, which devoureth other fires. Now, then I acknowledge, acknowledge that Tamar is innocent by me as she with child, not because she indulged in illicit passion, but because I held her back, her marriage with my son Shelah. Then a heavenly voice was heard to say, Ye are both innocent. It was the will of God that it should happen. The open confession of Judah induced his oldest brother, Reuben, to also make public acknowledgement of the sin he must needs take one of them to wife. The Holy Spirit cried out against Judah when he married the Canaanitish woman out against of Adullam, saying, the glory of Israel went down in Adullam. Okay, I don't know. Something just happened where it went back to to something. But I'm going to just stop there. I uh, covered most of what I wanted to, to say anyways. And so anyways, um, you know, Tamar and her reputation was restored. And she was honored as a prophetess. And that what had happened was led by the Holy Spirit and that in fact it would be through her that the children of prophecy would be born and that um, the children uh, of the Davidic line and leading to Messiah the stem of Jesse uh, that it would be through her two sons Ferris and Zerah yeah, it's interesting though in the um, Targum version. Uh, the stuff that you were reading from your book, uh, were you quoting from the Targum or, or the Targum and other resources to, to build your narrative there, or what? Yeah, the, um, I've covered from not just the the Targum, but yeah, there's a number of different passages. Is that all? Uh, the legends of the Jews. Yeah, it's all sourced. Sourced um, and, uh, and footnoted. Yeah, and it's all yeah footnoted and broken down into different, you know, um, as far as how it builds the story and builds the case. Um, and so all of it is linked in, in that similar manner to uh, the actual book. So, Yeah, you know, obviously in the Targum version there, there was a whole lot more added to the narrative than what we read simply in the English version of Genesis. Um, right. You know, and somebody made comment in there that uh, Mike Heiser has been saying that the Targums are not to be considered scripture, but rather commentary akin to like um, a John MacArthur study Bible kind of thing, where you have the text but you have added insight. And I, I don't know how he can make that a definitive statement. It's kind of like when King James only types are always saying, "Well, look at all these other translations; they they subtract this from the text." And I'm like, "Yeah, you might want to go look into and see where the King James added." into the text before you make right. the accusation that the other ones take away from the text. You know, I mean, because right. there's two ways that you can look at the differences, right? Um, yes. So, I, you know, I'm frankly, I'm torn on the matter because I think there's a lot of very strong arguments for the current version of the Torah that we have when it comes to things like the um, Torah codes and the, the mathematical... Mm -hmm. Uh, codes that can be found in the equal letter spacing and all that stuff. I mean, it's, there's quite a lot of extensive research that has been done on that by a number right. of people. That, whoa, break. 
Yep. Alright, we'll be right back for a second hour. one of the millions of children born to parents suffering from the Shimo virus. Symptoms include the inability to think for oneself, the attention span of a goldfish, and a strong belief in government and the mainstream media. It is estimated that one out of every two children are being raised by parents infected with the Shimo virus. But there is a cure. For as little as 19 cents per day, you can become a TFR supporter and help children like me get their daily dose of truth. Together, we will make sure every child has protection from deception. Creation of a commission. I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News. A late night session in the Senate as lawmakers battle over the forming of a panel that would investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. A national bipartisan independent commission to report on the events of January 6th is exactly what the doctor ordered. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, but Republican Leader Mitch McConnell says there's no need. Multiple Senate committees are conducting their own bipartisan inquiries. And obviously the role of the former president has already been litigated exhaustively. Just three Senate Republicans have said they will vote in favor of the proposal, which passed in the House with support of all Democrats and a handful of Republicans. President Biden in Ohio today talking of his infrastructure plan. President Biden spoke at Cuyahoga Community College in Cleveland, where he shared how much America has slipped in how some assessments see the U.S. The 13th best infrastructure in the world. Come on. The president says he wants to raise corporate taxes to bring billions to rebuild. That could put hundreds of thousands of people to work to modernize our roads, our bridges, our ports, our airports, and pay for it. Republicans criticize Biden's plans for going beyond traditional infrastructure. Fox's Grinnell Scott. Two people have died. Ten are missing after a boat capsized this afternoon off the Florida Keys. The Coast Guard tells us there are eight survivors. They were rescued by the cutter Resolute. It's not clear where that vessel was headed or where it had been coming from. At this point, the boat itself has not been located, but the search continues right now. Craig Stevens from Fox Station, WSVN in Miami. A Japanese cabinet minister says they're looking into extending the COVID state of emergency in Tokyo to June 20th. That's just over a month before the opening ceremonies of the Summer Olympics. America is listening to Fox News. This is Truth Frequency Radio. The wicked ones obviously under heavy, heavy, heavy Masonic
All right, welcome back, everybody, for a second hour. Um, you know, in the all of the parallel accounts that we've been doing now, and reading and sharing and bringing forth insight from different stories, um, you know, I just ask people to consider just reading and looking at the Targums with an open mind, uh, even if you are even if it's just, you know, the book of Genesis. Um, just consider it, read it, and and then see if it moves you or if it uh, gives you insight in a manner that you're not finding anywhere else. And um, I think, you know, it can be beneficial for one's research and one's consideration. And that uh, as now all of these other uh, like the Jasher and the Jubilees, which a lot of people have um, embraced and are looking into with open mind, that we've seen that the Targum uh, falls in line with a lot that is mm -hmm. shared in the, the Jasher account and the Jubilees account, and that there's equal confirming witness mm -hmm. all throughout those narratives. Um, and that as we read through the King James and then we read through the Targum as well, that we seem to get uh, extra insight and, and things to consider. And so um, if it's beneficial for your research and your study and it, it blesses you, and I think that you know it does when people actually uh, really read it and study it for themselves, um, especially when it comes to uh, the messianic prophecies, mm -hmm. uh, just like with the Book of Enoch, you know the uh, the Son of Man and all of that um, that we find in the Targum similarity uh, as to the Word of the Lord and to the connections of even the Angel of the Lord and different um, uh, to different roles that he played that are found all throughout the lives. Uh, the patriarchs, which even makes, you know, the before Abraham uh, uh, was, I am, uh, come to light in greater detail. And so, um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are realizing that with the, the Genesis narrative that we're doing, the Genesis Revisited series, uh, all that we are, you know, just sharing and going back and forth and sharing this banter. Uh, that many people are being blessed by these these teachings and these informations and this possibility. And um, I know a lot of people, like with you doing the virtual house church, uh, a lot of people have contacted me and, um, and, and told me about how they are now integrating uh, the Targum into mm -hmm. their, you know, looking back at the whatever a portion they're going to be reading from and incorporating all that into their study and how much of a great blessing that has been uh, for them as well and so uh, a lot of people are being blessed yeah you know that, that's before we went to the break that would have been pretty much the conclusion of my thought that I was expressing uh, there uh, right before we went to break is is that uh, you, you know I, I can accept the the current 
version of the Torah translated into English as we understand it, primarily because of things like the Torah codes that just seem, I mean, when you, I, I don't I know how much you or our audience has really looked into that, but, and I haven't looked into it extensively, but I've looked into it enough to know that it's, that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, yeah. And without a doubt, yeah. That, you know, for the equal letter spacing to be the way it is in all five books, you know, spelling from, and Gen, I forget the, it's like every seventh letter or something. I forget what the, the letter spacing is, but in Genesis and Exodus, uh, let's say it's seven. I, I don't quote me on that, but I think it's seven. But whatever. That from the uh, 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 appearance of the first um, uh, tav for Torah, uh, you keep counting like every seven letters, and it spells Torah uh, all through Genesis and all through Exodus. And then when you get to Leviticus, I forget what the letter spacing is, but it, it repeats throughout the entire book of Exodus. It spells the Yod Hey Vav Hey name of God. And then Numbers and Deuteronomy, whatever the letter spacing is, it spells Torah backwards. So it's almost like both are pointing toward the center, yes. which is Yahuwah, uh, there. And I'm like, you can't, and that's why it says you can't add to and you can't subtract from uh, the Torah. Because if you do, right. I mean, you can significantly mess things like this up. You know. So the question I would have is if you looked at the Aramaic, which is you know closely akin to Hebrew. You know there are differences, but you know my question would be: Are you are you going to add to more of the equal letter spacings or subtract from it? You know, uh, nullifying that whole thing. So that would be my caution. That, but on the flip side of it, uh, you know, where the accusation would be the targums are quote unquote dangerous, I would I would disagree with that for the all the reasons that you expressed. Um, now. I let me give a caveat to that because, like the Schofield Reference Bible, you know that that was one of those that, uh, growing up Baptist, that I was very familiar with that we had, and there's a whole lot of um, commentary added in the Schofield Reference Bible that I now totally disagree with, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> sp especially like uh, dispensation theology, preacher rapture doctrine. Uh, and stuff like that that's very much very heavily promoted in uh, commentary Bibles like that so uh, at best we could look at the Targums and say well these were ancient you know Hebrew commentaries similar to like a Schofield or John MacArthur study Bible or or uh, E.W. Bollinger you know he's got a study Bible yeah. also and, and, and each of these study Bibles I mean I think that they have value uh, but you have to realize, okay, this commentary is a man's opinion. This is somebody's understanding, their understanding of the scriptures that they're applying in the form of commentary to the text. Now, when I, w with that understanding, most of the stuff that we're looking at in English Bible commentaries, you know, going back to perhaps the 17th century, that's 1,700 years removed from the original text. <laughs> You know, people doing the best they can with their understanding of Scripture, yeah. 1,700 years removed from the text, whereas the Aramaic Targums are, like, right in the middle of the time period that they're writing the text. So, uh -huh. yes, they are a few hundred years removed from, let's say, the writings of Moses, maybe a 1,000 or so years from Moses. Um, but, I mean, they're still right in the mix of the time that the Old Testament was being written as well as the beginning of when the New Testament is being written. So, you know, if we yes. play the the whisper down the line game, right, you know, telephone, 
where you get all these people right. and one person at one end starts the chain of discussion and by the time you get to the other end especially the more people you have involved the more the story changes so my contention would be those who are closest to the original source information are going to have the most reliable commentary so, uh-huh. so this is the way I approach the Targums um is if we are to assume that all this added text that we read about, like, for instance, in the Aramaic or the Jerusalem Targums that you read there that elaborate a whole lot more on what I read in the King James from Genesis 38, then I'm, my take on it is like, well, this is what these people understood that text to represent, likely due to oral tradition as well as other written texts, such as Joshua. And to your point, right. uh, so far, at least from what we've been doing in our study together here, is there's a lot of uh, um, confirming witness in multiple texts. So when yes. we read the Targum and it says that she's a, a Tamar's of the house of Shem, for instance, which is not in our King James English or from the Masoretic text, um, and then we so you read that and it's like, well, what did they know? How did they know that? How did they add that commentary to the text? And we we're like, well, it tells you point blank in Joshua that that's what happened. Right. And and they clearly had that as another reference to refer to. And so I don't, I think the word dangerous is unwarranted. When somebody would say, well, yeah, the targums are dangerous. I, no, I don't think so. I, and, and thus far, I have yet to encounter, and I'm new to all this, you know, really as a result of our, <laughs> you and I doing the study together. You've been studying them a lot longer than I have, but in the time that we've been doing our shows together that I have become exposed to the targums, and you're right, we're bringing them out more and more in the virtual house church, I have only seen greater confirmation and elaboration and no contradiction so far to what we understand as the canonized text. So in my take on any extra biblical text, I'm like, if it adds to it in the sense of helping me understand it, giving me a greater understanding and appreciation of what's being said, great. You know, why not? You know, as a researcher, it's just another piece of the puzzle of the investigation that we're putting together here. But if I come across something that blatantly contradicts Scripture, uh, and and this was my take on the early discussions uh, that we had on Genesis 4.1. For instance, about you know King James, uh, Adam knew his wife, and you know she conceived and gave birth to Cain, right? So you're like, well, done deal. Well, but what about right. Genesis three fifteen? What what's this deal about serpent seed in Genesis three fifteen? And right. then you bring up all the other scriptures that are referenced. So while some things may have been pulled out of the text, uh, there's still a lot of internal witness within the text that still verifies it. Yes. So anyway, yeah, that's my exactly. take on it. Yeah. And I agree. And, um, you know, I don't want to rehash all of this. We've done this many times. But um, a lot of people, for whatever reason, they uh, will convict, condemn without reading, studying, uh, uh, and aren't willing to open themselves to new possibility. And uh, it's unfortunate. Um, You know, for a lot of people, they just will open themselves to truth and um, because of that they keep themselves locked in a box and won't let anything that you know uh, challenges anything they have in that box uh, to enter in or to uh, to reach uh, you know, the new revelation 
and so it's unfortunate. But I think a lot of people following the series and listening to our work and uh, considering what we've been covering and and sharing are being blessed yeah, and are sure. being touched by you know the revelations contained by all of the manuscripts that we're piecing together. And so yeah, um, yeah. So um, in what you were reading. There was a few references there to the uh, Tamar's prayer, and that she would dedicate three saints in the Valley of Dura. Who are the three saints? When we know Perez and uh, uh, Zira uh, um, were the offspring that she had, but that's two, Perez and Zira. So who's the third? And and she named him. It may just be uh, a different language here or something. I don't know, but. Ha- Hananva, Meshel, and Az- Azariah. So maybe there's a daughter. So I'm wondering if H- Hanan- uh. Hananva and Mishael are perhaps uh, another name for Perez and Zira, and that she had a third uh, Azariah, maybe as a daughter. Are you aware of any other? Yeah. Like what? What are the three, the three that saints that she said she'd dedicate in the and what is Dura, the Valley of Dura? Have you looked into that at all? Uh, no, I I have not, and um, yeah, I, I'm not certain of the the three, um, but I do know that Ferris and Zara, yeah, those are the two boys, but as far as uh, the the rest of the story, um, better it is for me to blush in this world than to blush in the world to come. Better to burn with a fire my daughter-in-law be spared. She hath not conceived a child by fornication. Um, right. Shayla, my son. I think it was further back. When she, it's, it's when Tamar cries out and, and she's she's praying and, you know, the, and, and the bath uh, bath coal thing. Oh, uh, here's Azariah. Yeah. Okay, Yeah, right there, right there, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Tamar was brought forth to be burned with fire. She sought the three witnesses, but found them not. Lifted up her eyes on high and said, For mercy I pray before the Lord thou art. He, O Lord God, who answereth, the afflicted in the hour of their affliction. Answer me in this hour of my affliction. I will dedicate to thee three saints in the valley of Dura, Hananenva, Mishael, and Azariah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not positive. Um, but it would be interesting to see what those names are connected to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if there's more elaboration on who these individuals were and how, because, uh, you know, prophetically this, I'm sure, plays out in some manner that we don't know yet. Yeah, um, I'm familiar with the phrase, the Valley of Dura also, so I'm just kind of curious as to if you had seen anything else or elaborated on that. Mm-mm. All right. Um, well, uh, I can read from the Joshua account. And, uh, sure. Jubilees here. We'll switch good. over. So I believe we left off in Chapter 42 of Joshua. Um 
Okay, Joshua 42. And they went and sat on the opposite side, about the distance of a bow shot, and they sat there to eat bread. And whilst they were eating, they beheld, they held counsel together that was to be done to, with him, whether they slay him or bring him back to his father. And they were holding the council when they lifted up their eyes. I think this is, I'm not sure if I read this or not already. I know I ended at 40. Well, I'll just keep reading. This is the the elaborated version of what happened to Joseph uh, in chapter 37 of Genesis. Uh, they were holding counsel when they lifted up their eyes and saw, and behold, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming at a distance by the road of Gilead, going toward Egypt. And Judah said unto them, What gain will it be to us if we slay our brother? Peradventure God will require him from us. This then is the counsel proposed concerning him, which ye shall do unto him. Behold, this company of Ishmaelites going down to Egypt. Now therefore come, let us dispose of him to them, and let not our hand be upon him, and they will lead him along with them, and he will be lost amongst the people of the land, and we will not put him to death with our hands. And the proposal pleased his brethren, and they did according to the word of Judah. And whilst they were discoursing about this matter, and before the company of Ishmaelites had come up to them, seven trading men of Midian passed by them. And as they passed, they were thirsty, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the pit in which Joseph was immured. And they looked, and behold, every species of bird was upon him. And these Midianites ran to the pit to drink water, for they thought it contained water. And on coming before the pit, they heard the voice of Joseph crying and weeping in the pit. And they looked down into the pit, and they saw, and behold, there was a youth of comely appearance and well-favored. And they called unto him and said, Who art thou, and who brought thee hither, and who placed thee in this pit in the wilderness? And they all assisted to raise up Joseph, and they drew him out, and brought him up from the pit, and took him and went away on their journey, and passed by his brethren. And these said unto them, Why do you do this, to take our servant from us, and go to go away? Surely we place this youth in the pit, because he rebelled against us. And you come and bring him up, and lead him away? Now then give us back our servant. And the Midianites answered and said unto the sons of Jacob, Is this your servant, or does this man attend you? Peradventure you are all his servants, for he is more comely and well favored than any of you, and why do you all speak falsely unto us? Now therefore we will not listen to your words, nor attend to you, for we found the youth in the pit in the wilderness, and we took him. We will therefore go on. And all the sons of Jacob approached them, and rose up to them, and said to them, Give us back our servant, and why will you all die by the edge of the sword? And the Midianites cried out against them, and they drew their swords, and approached to fight the sons of Jacob. And behold, Simeon rose up from his seat against them, and sprang upon the ground, and drew his sword, and approached the Midianites. And he gave a terrible shout before them, so that his shouting was heard at a distance. And the earth shook at Simeon's shouting. And the Midianites were terrified on account of Simeon, and the noise of his shouting. And they fell upon their faces, and were excessively alarmed. And Simeon said unto them, Verily I am Simeon. I am Simeon, 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 the son of Jacob, 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 <laughs> the Hebrew. You have only with my, who have only with my brother destroyed the city of Shechem and the cities of the Amorites. So shall God moreover do unto me if all your brethren, the people of Midian, and also the kings of Canaan were to come with you. They could not fight against me. Now therefore give us back the youth whom you have taken, lest I give your flesh to the birds of the skies and the beasts of the earth. And the Midianites were more afraid of Simeon, and they approached the sons of Jacob with terror and fright, and with pathetic words, saying, 
Surely you have said that the young man is your servant, and that he rebelled against you, and therefore you placed him in the pit. What then will you do with the servant who rebels against his master? Now therefore sell him unto us, and we will give you all that you require for him. And the Lord was pleased to do this, in order that the sons of Jacob should not slay their brother. And the Midianites saw that Joseph was of a comely appearance and well-favored. They desired him in their hearts, and were urgent to purchase him from his brethren. And the sons of Jacob hearkened to the Midianites, and they sold their brother Joseph to them for twenty pieces of silver. And Reuben, their brother, was not with them, and the Midianites took Joseph and continued their journey to Gilead. They were going along the road, and the Midianites repented of what they had done in having purchased the young man. And one said to the other, What is this thing that we have done in taking this youth from the Hebrews, who is of comely appearance and well-favored? Perhaps this youth is stolen from the land of the Hebrews. Why then have we done this thing? And if we should be sought for and found, if he should be sought for and found in our hands, we shall die through him. Now surely hardy and powerful men have sold him to us, the strength of one of whom you saw this day. Perhaps they stole him from this his land with their might and with their powerful arm, and have therefore sold him to us for the small value which we gave unto them. And whilst they were thus discoursing together, they looked, and behold, the company of Ishmaelites, which was coming at first, and which the sons of Jacob saw, was advancing toward the Midianites. And the Midianites said to each other, Come, let us sell this youth to the company of Ishmaelites, who are coming toward us. And we will take him for the little that, uh, and we will take for him the little that we gave for him, and we will be delivered from this evil. And they did so, and they reached the Ishmaelites, and the Midianites sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, which they had given for him to his brethren. And the Midianites went on their road to Gilead, and the Ishmaelites took Joseph, and they let him ride upon one of their camels, and they were leading him to Egypt. And Joseph heard that the Ishmaelites were proceeding to Egypt, and Joseph lamented and wept at this thing, that he was to be, be so far removed from the land of Canaan from his father. And he wept bitterly whilst he was riding upon the camel. And one of their men observed him, and made him go down from the camel and walk on foot. And notwithstanding this, Joseph continued to cry and weep, and said, O oh, my father, my father! And one of the Ishmaelites rose up and smote Joseph upon the cheek. And still he continued to weep, and Joseph was fatigued in the road, and was unable to proceed on account of the bitterness of his soul. And they all smote him and afflicted him in the road, and they terrified him in order that he might cease from weeping. And the Lord saw the ambition of Joseph and his trouble, and the Lord brought down upon those men darkness and confusion, and the hand of every one that smote him became withered. And they said to each other, What is this thing that God has done to us in the road? And they knew not that this befell them on account of Joseph. And the men proceeded on the road, and they passed along the road of Ephrath, where Rachel was buried. And Joseph reached his mother's grave, and Joseph hastened and ran to his mother's grave, and fell upon the grave and wept. And Joseph cried aloud from his mother's grave, and he said, Oh, my mother, my mother, oh, who didst give me birth? Awake now, and arise, and see thy son how he has been sold for a slave, and no one to pity him. O oh, arise, and see thy son weep with me on account of my troubles, and see the heart of my brethren. Arise, arouse, my mother, arouse, awake from thy sleep for me, and direct thy battles against my brethren. O oh, how have they stripped me of my coat, and sold me already twice 
for a slave and separated me from my father, and there is no one to pity me. Arouse and lay thy cause against them before God, and see whom God will justify in the judgment and whom he will condemn. Rise, O my mother, rise, awake from thy sleep, and see my father how his soul is with me this day, and comfort him and ease his heart. And Joseph continued to speak these words, and Joseph cried aloud and wept bitterly upon his mother's grave, and he ceased speaking, and from bitterness of heart he became still as a stone upon the grave. And Joseph heard a voice speaking to him from beneath the ground, which answereth him with bitterness of heart, and with a voice of weeping and praying in these words, My son, my son Joseph, I have heard the voice of thy weeping and the voice of thy lamentation. I have seen thy tears, I know thy troubles, my son, and it grieves me for thy sake, and abundant grief is added to my grief. Now therefore, my son Joseph, my son, hope to the Lord, and wait for him, and do not fear, for the Lord is with thee. He will deliver thee from all trouble. Rise, my son, go down unto Egypt with thy masters, and do not fear, for the Lord is with thee, my son. And she continued to speak like unto these words unto Joseph, and she was still. And Joseph heard this, and he wondered greatly at this, and he continued to weep. And after this, one of the Ishmaelites observed him crying and weeping upon the grave, and his anger was kindled against him, and he drove him from there, and he smote him and cursed him. And Joseph said unto the men, May I find grace in your sight to take me back to my father's house, and he will give you abundance of riches. And they answered him, saying, Art thou not a slave? And where is thy father? And if thou hadst a father, thou wouldest not already twice have been sold for a slave for so little value. And their anger was still aroused against him, and they continued to smite him and chastise him. And Joseph wept bitterly. Oh, All right. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. By Christine, great for heart palpitations. By Anne, before I started using this product, every afternoon, my ankles and my hands would be swollen. That doesn't happen anymore. So if that part of their advertising is true, I have to assume that the rest of it is also. Not to mention that when I had my yearly blood test, only a few weeks after beginning to use this product, my cholesterol had dropped over 30 points. I'm going to continue to take it. By Croc, I love this product. It really works. By Brad, works great, thank you. Tell us your story. Get your Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Your home has needs. It needs a healthy, dry environment all year round. Start by getting rid of the worst air in the basement and crawl space, where the problems begin and make the whole house sick. Introducing the new Smart Wave Ventilation Unit. It has advanced technologies to continuously reduce moisture, mold and odors, and expel radon, gases and pollutants. And now, wave units include carbon monoxide detection to automatically expel air at a high rate and send you an alert. It also has an app so you can remotely monitor the conditions. WAVE is a comprehensive, maintenance-free, affordable solution that will transform your entire home. 
Protect your home and family with what it needs. Give it a new smart wave ventilation unit. For more information, call 888-717-WAVE. That's 888-717-WAVE. Or go to dryhealthyhome.com. That's dryhealthyhome.com. More than a dozen astronauts have officially reported UFOs. UFOs. Hundreds of hours of UFO footage were filmed by astronauts aboard the space shuttle. Many of these UFOs can only be seen in ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light. Retired former Apollo astronauts and cosmonauts now tell their stories of their own personal UFO encounters. The Enigma Channel, intelligent television for planet Earth. EnigmaTV.com No hype, no, 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 no fear. We are TFR Frequency Radio. everybody for a final segment um, I'll turn it back over to you Rob you can finish off what you were reading from okay uh, let me switch back over here Joshua and the Lord saw Joseph's affliction and the Lord smote again smote these men and chastised them and the Lord caused darkness to envelop them upon the earth and the lightning flashed and the thunder roared and the earth shook at the voice of the thunder and of the mighty wind, and the men were terrified and knew not where they should go. And the beasts and camels stood still, and they led them, but they would not go. They smote them, and they crouched upon the ground. And the men said to each other, What is this that God has done to us? What are our transgressions, and what are our sins, that this thing has befallen us? And one of them answered and said unto them, Perhaps on account of the sin of afflicting this slave has this thing happened this day to us. Kind of like the deal with Jonah. Now, therefore, implore him strongly to forgive us, and then we shall know on whose account this evil befalleth us. And if God shall have compassion over us, then we shall know that all this cometh to us on account of the sin of inflicting this slave. And the men did so, and they supplicated Joseph and pressed him to forgive them. And they said, We have sinned to the Lord and to thee. Now, therefore, vouchsafe to request of thy God 
that he shall put away this death from among us, for we have sinned to him. And Joseph did according to their words, and the Lord hearkened to Joseph, and the Lord put away the plague which had inflicted upon those men on account of Joseph. And the beasts rose up from the ground, and they conducted them. And they went on, and the raging storm abated, and the earth became tranquilized. And the men proceeded on their journey to go down to Egypt. And the men knew that this evil had befallen them on account of Joseph. And they said to each other, Behold, we know that it was on account of his affliction that this evil befell us. Now therefore, why shall we bring this death upon our souls? Let us hold counsel what to do to this slave. And they answered and said, Surely he told us to bring him back to his father. Now therefore, come, let us take him back, and we will go to the place that he will tell us, and take from his family the price that we gave for him, and we will then go away. And one answered and said, be, uh, again, and said, Behold, this counsel is very good, but we cannot do so, for the way is very far from us, and we cannot go out of our road. And one more answered and said unto them, This is the counsel to be adopted. We will not s- swerve from it. Behold, we are this day going to Egypt, and when we shall have come to Egypt, we will sell him there at a high price, and we will be delivered from this evil. And this thing pleased the men, and they did so, and they continued their journey to Egypt with Joseph. Chapter 43 And when the sons of Jacob had sold uh, sold their brother Joseph to the Midianites, their hearts were smitten on account of him, and they repented of their acts, and they sought for him to bring him back, but did not find him. And Reuben returned to the pit in which Joseph had been put in order to lift him out and restore him to his father. And Reuben stood by the pit, and he heard not a word, and he called out to Joseph, Joseph! And no one answered or uttered a word. And Reuben said, Joseph has died through fright, or some serpent has caused his death. And Reuben descended into the pit, and he searched for Joseph and could not find him in the pit. And he came out again. That's interesting. How come he could climb out and Joseph couldn't climb out? I was thinking about that earlier. Uh, And Reuben tore his garments and said, The child is not there, and how shall I reconcile my father about him if he be dead? And he went to his brethren and found them grieving on account of Joseph and counseling together how to reconcile their father about him. And Reuben said unto his brethren, I came to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not there. What then shall we say unto our father? For my father will only seek the lad from me. And his brethren answered him, saying, Thus and thus we did, and our hearts afterwards smote us on account of this act, and we now sit to seek a pretext how we shall reconcile our father to it. And Reuben said unto them, What is this you have done to bring down the gray hairs of our father in sorrow to the grave? The thing is not good that you have done. And Reuben Reuben sat with them, and they all rose up and swore to each other not to tell this thing unto Jacob, And they all said, The man who will tell this to our father or his household or who will report this to any of the children of the land, we will all rise up against him and slay him with the sword. And the sons of Jacob feared each other in this matter, from the youngest to the oldest, and no one spoke a word, and they concealed the thing in their hearts. And they afterwards sat down to determine and invent something to say unto their father Jacob concerning all these things. And Issachar said unto them, here is an advice for you, if it seemed good in your eyes to do this thing. Take the coat which belongeth to Joseph, and tear it, and kill a kid of the goats, and dip it in its blood. 
and send it to our father, and when he seeth it, he will say, An evil beast has devoured him. Therefore tarry ye this coat, and behold, his blood will be upon his coat, and by your doing this, we shall be free of our father's murmurings. And Issachar's advice pleased them, and they hearkened unto him, and they did according to the word of Issachar, which he had counseled them. And they hastened and took Joseph's coat and tore it, and they killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood of the kid, and then trampled it in the dust. And they sent the coat to their father Jacob by the hand of Naphtali, and they commanded him to say these words. We had gathered in the cattle, and had come as far as the road to Shechem, and farther, when we found this coat upon the road in the wilderness, dipped in blood and in dust, how therefore, now therefore know whether it be thy son's coat or not. And Naphtali went, and he came unto his father, and he gave him the coat, and he spoke unto him all the words which his brethren had commanded him. And Jacob saw Joseph's coat, and knew it, and he fell upon his face to the ground, and became as still as stone. And he afterward rose up and cried out with a loud and weeping voice, and said, It is the coat of my son Joseph. And Joseph, uh, Jacob uh, hastened and sent one of his servants to his sons, who went to them and found them coming along the road with the flock. And the sons of Jacob came to the father about evening, and behold, their garments were torn, and dust was upon their heads. And they found their father crying out and weeping with a loud voice. And Jacob said to his sons, Tell me truly what evil have you this day suddenly brought upon me. And they answered their father Jacob, saying, We were coming along this day after the flock had been gathered in, and we came as far as the city of Shechem by the road in the wilderness. And we found his coat filled with blood upon the ground, and we knew it, and we sent unto thee if thou couldst know it. And Jacob heard the words of his sons, and he cried out with a loud voice, and he said, It is the coat of my son, an evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is rent in pieces, for I sent him this day to see whether it was well with you and well with the flocks, and to bring me word again from you. And he went as I commanded him, and this has happened to him this day, whilst I thought my son was with you. And the sons of Jacob answered and said, He did not come to us, neither have we seen him from the time of our going out from thee until now. And when Jacob heard their words, he again cried out aloud, and he rose up and tore his garments. And he put sackcloth upon his loins, and he wept bitterly, and he mourned and lifted up his voice in weeping, and exclaimed and said these words, Joseph, my son, O my son Joseph, I sent thee this day after the welfare of my brethren, and behold, thou hast been torn in pieces. Through my hand has this happened to my son. It grieves me for thee, Joseph, my son. It grieves me for thee. How sweet wast thou to me during life, and now... How exceedingly bitter is thy death to me. O that I had died in thy stead, Joseph, my son, for it grieves me sadly for thee, my son. O my son, my son, Joseph, my son, where art thou, and where hast thou been drawn? Arouse, arouse from thy place, and come and see my grief for thee. O my son, Joseph, come now and number the tears gushing from my eyes down my cheeks, and bring them up before the Lord, that his anger may turn from me. O Joseph, my son, how didst thou fall by the hand of one by whom no one had fallen from the beginning of the world unto this day? For thou hast been put to death by the smiting of an enemy, inflicted with cruelty. But surely I know that this has happened to thee on account of the multitude of my sins. Arouse now, and see how bitter is my trouble for thee, my son. Although I did not 
rear thee, nor fashion thee, nor give thee breath and soul. But it was God who formed thee, and built thy bones, and covered them with flesh, and breathed in thy nostrils the breath of life, and then he gave thee unto me. Now truly God, who gave thee unto me, he has taken thee from me, and such then has befallen thee. And Jacob continued to speak like unto these words concerning Joseph, and he wept bitterly. He fell to the ground and became still. And all the sons of Jacob, seeing their father's trouble, they repented of what they had done, and they also wept bitterly. And Judah rose up and lifted his father's head from the ground, and he placed it upon his lap, and he wiped his father's tears from his cheeks. And Judah wept an exceeding great weeping, whilst his father's head was reclining upon his lap, still as a stone. And the sons of Jacob saw their father's trouble, and they lifted up their voices and continued to weep. And Jacob was yet lying upon the ground, still as a stone. And all his sons and his servants and his servants' children rose up and stood around him to comfort him, and he refused to be comforted. And the whole household of Jacob rose up and mourned in great mourning on account of Joseph and their father's trouble. And the intelligence reached Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of Jacob, and he wept bitterly on account of Joseph, he and all his household. And he went from the place where he dwelt in Hebron and his men with him, and he comforted Jacob, his son, and he refused to be comforted. And after this, Jacob rose up from the ground, and his tears were running down his cheeks. And he said unto his sons, Rise up and take your swords and your bows, and go forth into the field, and seek whether you can find my son's body, and bring it unto me, that I may bury it. Seek also, I pray you, amongst the beasts, and hunt them, and that which shall come to the first before you, seize and bring it unto me. Perhaps the Lord will this day pity my affliction, and prepare before you that which did tear my son in pieces, and bring it unto me, and I will avenge the cause of my son. And his sons did as their father had commanded them, and they rose up early in the morning, and each took his sword and his bow in his hand. And they went forth into the field to hunt the beasts. And Jacob was still crying aloud and weeping and walking to and fro in the house and smiting his hands together, saying, Joseph, my son, Joseph, my son. And the sons of Jacob went into the wilderness to seize the beasts. And behold, a wolf came toward them, and he seized him and brought him unto their father. And they said unto him, This is the first we have found, and we have brought him unto thee as thou didst command us. And thy son's body we could not find. And Jacob took the beast from the hands of his sons, and he cried out with a loud and weeping voice, holding the beast in his hand. And he spoke with a bitter heart unto the beast, Why didst thou devour my son Joseph? And how didst thou have no fear of the God of the earth, or of my trouble for my son Joseph? And thou didst devour my son for naught, because he committed no violence, and thou and didst thereby render me culpable on this account. Therefore God will require him that is persecuted. And the Lord opened the mouth of the beast in order to comfort Jacob with its words. And it answered Jacob and spoke these words unto him. As God liveth who created us in the earth, and as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I did not see thy son, neither did I tear him to pieces. But from a distance, from a distant land, I also came to seek my son, who went from me this day, and I know not whether he be living or dead. And I came this day into the field to seek my son, and your sons found me, and seized me, and increased my grief, and have this day brought me before thee, and I have now spoken all my words to thee. And now, therefore, O son of man, I am in thy hands, and do unto me this day as it may seem good in thy sight. 
But by the life of God who created me, I did not see thy son, nor did I tear him to pieces. Neither has the flesh of man entered my mouth all the days of my life. And when Jacob heard the words of the beast, he was greatly astonished, and he went forth, sent forth the beast from his hand, and she went her way. And Jacob was still crying aloud and weeping for Joseph day after day, and he mourned for his son many days. Chapter 44. And the sons of Ishmael, who had bought Joseph from the Midianites, who had bought him from his brethren, went to Egypt with Joseph, and they came upon the borders of Egypt. And when they came near unto Egypt, they met four men of the sons of Medan, the son of Abraham, who had gone forth from the land of Egypt on their journey. And the Ishmaelites said unto them, do you desire to purchase this slave from us? And they said, Deliver him over to us. And they delivered Joseph over to them. And they beheld him, that he was a very comely youth. And they purchased him for twenty shekels. And the Ishmaelites continued their journey to Egypt. And Medianim also returned that day to Egypt. And the Medianim said to each other, Behold, we have heard that Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, seeketh a good servant who shall stand before him to attend him and to make him overseer of his house and all belonging to him. Now therefore, come, let us sell him to him for what we may desire, if he be able to give unto us that which we shall require for him. And these Medanim went and came to the house of Potiphar and said unto him, We have heard that thou seeketh a good servant to attend thee. Behold, we have a servant that will please thee, if thou canst give us that which we may desire, and we will sell him unto thee. And Potiphar said, Bring him before me, and I will see him, and if ye please me, I will give unto you that which you may require for him. And the Medanim went and brought Joseph, and placed him before Potiphar, and he saw him, and he pleased him exceedingly. And Potiphar said unto him, Tell me, what you require for this youth. And they said, Four hundred pieces of silver we desire for him. And Potiphar said, I will give it you if you bring me the record of his sale to you, and will tell me his history, for perhaps he may be stolen, for this youth is neither a slave nor the son of a slave, but I observe him the appearance of a goodly and handsome person. And the Medanim went and brought unto him the Ishmaelites who had sold him to them, and they told him, saying, He is a slave, and we sold him to them. And Potiphar heard the words of the Israelites in his giving the silver unto the Medanim. And the Medanim took the silver and went on their journey. And the Ishmaelites also returned home. And Potiphar took Joseph and brought him to his house that he might serve him. And Joseph found favor in the sight of Potiphar. And he placed confidence in him and made him overseer over his house. And all that belonging belonged to him, he delivered over into his hand. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a prosperous man. And the Lord blessed the house of Potiphar for the sake of Joseph. And Potiphar left all that he had in the hand of Joseph. And Joseph was one that caused things to come in and go out, and everything was regulated by his wish in the house of Potiphar. And Joseph was eighteen years old, a youth with beautiful eyes and a comely appearance. And like unto him was not in the whole land of Egypt. And at that time, whilst he was in his master's house, going in and out of the house and attending his master, Zalika, his master's wife, lifted up her eyes toward Joseph, and she looked at him, and behold, he was a youth comely and well-favored. And she coveted his beauty in her heart, and her soul was fixed upon Joseph, and she enticed him day after day. 
And Zillicah persuaded Joseph daily, but Joseph did not lift up his eyes to behold his master's wife. And Zillicah said unto him, How goodly are thy appearance and form! Truly I have looked at all the slaves, and have not seen so beautiful a slave as thou art. And Joseph said unto her, Surely he who created me in my mother's womb created all mankind. And she said unto him, How beautiful are thine eyes! with which thou hast dazzled all the inhabitants of Egypt, men and women. And he said unto her, How beautiful they are whilst we are alive, but shouldest thou behold them in the grave, surely thou wouldest move away from them. And she said unto him, How beautiful and pleasing are all thy words. Take now, I pray thee, the harp which is in the house, and play with thy hands, and let us hear thy words. And he said unto her, How beautiful and pleasing are my words when I speak the praise of my God and his glory. And she said unto him, How very beautiful is the hair of thy head. Behold the golden comb which is in the house. Take it, I pray thee, and curl the hair of thy head. And he said unto her, How long wilt thou speak these words? Cease to utter these words to me, and rise and attend to thy domestic affairs. And she said unto him, There is no one in my house, and there is nothing to attend to, but to thy words and to thy wish. Notwithstanding all this, she could not bring Joseph unto her, neither did he place his eye upon her, but directed his eyes below to the ground. And Zilichah desired Joseph in her heart that he would should lie with her. And at the time that Joseph was sitting in the house doing his work, Zilichah came and sat before him, and she enticed him daily with her discourse to lie with her, or ever to look at her but Joseph would not hearken to her and he said unto and she said unto him if thou wilt not do according to my words i will chastise thee with the punishment of death and put an iron yoke upon thee and Joseph said unto her surely god who created man looseth the fetters of prisoners and it is he who will deliver me from thy prison and from thy judgment and when she could not prevail over him to persuade him and her soul being still fixed upon him her desire through her into a grievous sickness. And all the women of Egypt came to visit her, and they said unto her, Why art thou in this declining state, thou that lackest nothing? Surely the husband is a great and esteemed prince in all the sight of the king. Shouldst thou lack anything of what thy heart desireth? And Zillicah answered them, saying, This day it shall be made known to you, whence this disorder springs in which you see me, and she commanded her maidservants to prepare food for all the women, and she made a banquet for them, and all the women ate in the house of Zillicah. And she gave them knives to peel the kitrons to eat them, and she commanded that they should dress Joseph in costly garments, and that he should appear before them. And Joseph came before their eyes, and all the women looked on Joseph, and could not take their eyes from him, from off him. And they all cut their hands with their knives, and they had... In, that they had in their hands, and all the kitchens that were in their hands were filled with blood. And they knew not what they had done, but they continued to look at the beauty of Joseph, and did not turn their eyelids from him. And Zillicah saw what they had done, and she said unto them, What is this work that you have done? Behold, I gave you kitchens to eat, and you have all cut your hands. And all the women saw their hands, and behold, they were full of blood, and their blood flowed down upon their garments. And they said unto her, This slave in your house was has overcome us, and we could not turn our eyelids from him on account of his beauty. And she said unto them, Surely this happened to you 
in the moment that you looked at him, and you could not contain yourselves from him. How then can I refrain when he is constantly in my house, and I see him day after day going in and out of my house? How then can I keep from declining or even from perishing on account of this? And they said unto her, The, the words are true, for who can see this beautiful form in the house and refrain from him? And is he not thy slave and attended, attendant in thy house? And why dost thou not tell him that which is in thy heart, and sufferest thy soul to perish through this matter? And she said unto them, I am daily endeavoring to persuade him, and he will not consent to my wishes. And I promised him everything that is good, and yet I could meet with no return from him. I am therefore in a declining state, as you see. And Zilica became very ill on account of her desire toward Joseph, and she was desperately lovesick on account of him. And all the people of the house of Zilica and her husband knew nothing of this matter. And Zilica was ill on account of her love for Joseph. And all the people of her house asked her, saying, Why art thou ill and declining, and lackest nothing? And she said unto them, I know not this thing which is daily increasing upon me. And all the women and her friends came daily to see her, and they spoke with her. And she said unto them, This can only be through the love of Joseph. And they said unto her, Entice him and seize him secretly. Perhaps he may hearken to thee, and put off this death from thee. And Zillica became worse from her love to Joseph, and she continued to decline till she had scarce strength to stand. And on a certain day Joseph was doing his master's work in the house, and Zillica came secretly and fell suddenly upon him. And Joseph rose up against her, and he was more powerful than she, and he brought her down to the ground. And Zillica wept on account of the desire of her heart toward him, and she supplicated him with weeping, and her tears flowed down her cheeks, and she spoke unto him in a voice of supplication and bitterness of soul, saying, Hast thou ever heard, seen, or known of so beautiful a woman as I am, or better than myself, who speak daily unto thee, fall into a decline through love for thee, confer all this honor upon thee, and still thou wilt not hearken to my voice? And if it be through fear of thy master, lest he punish thee, as the king liveth, no harm shall come to thee from thy master through this thing now. Therefore, pray, listen to me, and consent for the sake of the honor which I have conferred upon thee, and put off this death from me, and why should I die for thy sake? And she ceased to speak. And Joseph answered her, saying, Refrain from me, and leave this matter to my master. Behold, my master knoweth not what there is with me in the house, for all that belongeth to him he has delivered into my hand, and how shall I do these things in my master's house? For he hath also greatly honored me in this house, and he hath also made me an overseer over his house, and he hath exalted me, and there is no greater, no one greater in this house than I am. And my master hath refrained nothing from me, restrained, refrained nothing from me, except thee, who art his wife. How then canst thou speak these words unto me, and how can I do this great evil and sin to God and to, my, to thy husband? Now therefore refrain from me, and speak no more such words as these, for I will not hearken to thy words. But Zillica would not hearken to Joseph when he spoke these words unto her, but she daily enticed him to listen to her. And it looks like we're probably going to be at the end of the show here, so I'll stop right. here. Um, I guess we must have already covered the... The Joshua account, because this is getting to Genesis 39. So, uh, yeah, I've read ahead because, well, that's okay. I mean, I'll finish the Joshua account yeah, on, on my show next week, and then um, then we can read the Genesis account and see where we are in Jubilees. That's good. After that. 
but yeah, this is like Shakespeare here. <laughs> right. You know, right. it's like a, uh, you know, a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing going on here. It sounds like. <laughs> and then all those women end up cutting themselves. <laughs> they're, all, they're all like, oh, look at him. <laughs> cutting, cutting <laughs> right. hands. That's pretty crazy. All right, man. All right, brother. Good see show. You, yeah, see you next week.